everybody, it is Friday, October 26, 2018, and you are listening to the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Ezelik, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, and car whatever. Uh, if this is your first time listening, welcome, welcome. If you want to dig back into previous episodes of the show, it's really easy to do that. You can check it out on anchor.fm at anchor.fm slash YSSMAN. We also post this show uh, to a wide variety of podcasting platforms, including uh, the Apple iTunes podcast, Google Play podcast, so on and so on and so on. It's there. Uh, if you love it, do me a favor, uh, give it a review, like it, subscribe, do all that thing, share it with your friends and family uh, if they're interested in automobiles. Uh, this week's episode, we're going to kind of make up for some lost ground. Uh, last week, we had a little bit of a scheduling conflict on my end, so I had to skip an episode. So this week, we've got a few car news stories to talk about. First up, we're going to talk about the Tesla Model 3. Uh, apparently, we've got a cheaper intermediate model coming out very soon uh aside from the uh super cheap model that we're still waiting for so some news about that we're going to talk about some quick updates to one of my favorite small in air quotes crossover suvs the hyundai tucson uh one of the bigger news elements that came out this week the 2019 mclaren speedtail as well as some interesting stuff that's being done by General Motors uh, in regard to electric vehicles. Uh, in the car culture segment, we're going to pull a quick little story from Jalapnik where they asked, what production car would you like to see make a comeback uh, in lieu of some news that uh, some tooling things were recently sold by a major automobile company? And then last up, a car that's been on my mind, it's the Kia K900. Uh, a little bit more to explain on that after a couple of segments, but uh, that's kind of what we're looking to cover. So uh, what else can we talk about at the top of the show? Um, not not much. It's been a weird kind of slow time for car news. Uh, we're just a few weeks away from uh, the Los Angeles Auto Show, which is kind of the unofficial start to the 2019 automotive uh, car show season. Not a lot of big, crazy things to be expected so far, but I think we're going to get some more official announcements about some things, so hopefully some bigger breaking news coming up soon. So, uh, with all that in mind, after the bump, we'll get to some car news. So the first news story is on the Tesla Model 3. Of course, I love to talk about EVs here uh, on this show, and Tesla is a bright spot in that segment. Uh, Elon Musk announced earlier this week that we're going to be getting a mid-tier uh, Model 3 available very soon. This, of course, comes on the heels of the recent launch of the dual-mode dual, uh, motor uh, Tesla Model 3, which is a very quick, very sporty model uh, that goes past the current normal in air quotes model three uh that one's run about uh the normal one's about fifty thousand dollars give or take uh this new one's gonna chop that price down to about forty five thousand uh range is gonna go from a little over 300 miles to about 260 miles um so whether or not you feel like five thousand dollars is worth five or fifty miles of electric range 
I think that's neither here nor there. Um, what they didn't really say is whether or not you're going to lose access to other premium features that Model 3s have, like the autopilot system, uh, some of the supercharger things, so on and so forth. Uh, they didn't really give a lot of details on, but a cheaper Model 3 is coming. The big thing is that it's still not the cheapest Model 3. After all, uh, Elon Musk promised a $35,000, 200-plus mile range uh, Model 3 in the very near future. A lot of people who ordered their Model 3s were waiting on that model, and they still are waiting on that model, and they're saying that it's going to be mid-2019 until they get delivered. What is also interesting in that is that... Uh, Tax credits for Tesla are largely going to expire here at the end of October. I think I talked about this on the show previously. That $7,500 tax credit is going to be cut in half, basically a little bit uh, less than half. So $3,750 is going to be the rebate that you get now from here to the end of uh, 2018. And then from the beginning of 2019 to July, that's going to go down to $1,875. And after that, tax credits are going to completely run out for Tesla. Um, so you're going to be paying that top dollar price. Now, the big thing with Tesla is that unlike a lot of other EVs in the marketplace, uh, they have fantastic resale values. You're not really going to lose any money on these cars, really, to speak of. Uh, you know, it's a gas-free experience, so you're automatically ahead there. Um, I think I read an article earlier today that Teslas are only getting uh, 15 to 17% depreciation rates over the first couple of years of ownership, and that is unprecedented uh, with new car sales. So good for them. They're doing really great. They had a really good last quarter. They had a really good September. Sales are up. They're making money, so that's really good. What is going to be interesting, and this is maybe a secondary news story uh, to kind of tie into this, uh, both Hyundai and Kia announced their EV sales of the Nero crossover and the Kona crossover. Uh, these cars are being targeted to be less than $40,000 and have a 30,000 mile range, or excuse me, a 300 mile range uh, for somewhere between thirty and $40,000, which significantly undercuts what Tesla is doing both on price and and distance. Uh, that's really going to put some pressure on Tesla to get those cheaper Model 3s out as soon as possible. You know, I, I don't fault uh, Tesla at all in this situation. They are still a very small company, but it is very exciting that Hyundai and Kia are going for the jugular on these particular things uh, in the immediate future. And kind of as an aside to even that story, uh, Volkswagen announced today that they plan on having a wide variety of EVs on sale by the close of this decade, and they're planning on wiping the floor with Tesla. They didn't quite use direct that language, but they alluded to it uh, that they want to have uh, EVs in the market with 300 plus miles of range for less than $30,000, uh, which is going to be a crazy entry into the market very soon. So things are heating up for Tesla. They've got some good press going on. I hope they continue to be successful, but there's a lot of other things to get to. So not the most exciting news, but uh, Hyundai is continuing on their trend of refreshing a lot of their vehicles for 2019, and the Tucson is getting a similar treatment uh, that the Elantra just got. Uh, the new 2019 Tucson uh, gets a little bit of a styling tweak on the front and rear of the vehicle, uh, gets some powertrain updates. Uh, they're dropping the 1.6 liter turbo engine from the option sheet. It's now going to have a 2.4 liter inline four naturally aspirated on the mid and high trim vehicles, uh, all while the standard two liter inline four uh, 
sticks around and is the baseline thing. Uh, what is the new news, however, is that they are adding a wide variety of safety suites uh, to all their vehicles, making it standard, including forward collision warning, automated emergency braking, lane departure warning, and lane keeping assist. Uh, this is pretty big news, considering that Honda recently made a lot of this stuff standard on the CRV. Uh, Toyota is doing the same thing with the RAV4. Uh, I believe Ford is working on a bunch of new things for the uh, Escape. So overall, this is uh, a lot of good news for the vehicle, and there's not going to be significant added cost to the car. Uh, that's going to be about a $700 increase, so base trims for the standard SC are going to go up to $24,245 to start, which is a little more expensive than what I remember the Tucson being, but overall not too bad. What is also good is that they're finally making Android Auto and Apple CarPlay standard across the board. It used to be that on previous versions of the Tucson, you had to go up to the, uh, I believe it was the SEL or the uh, upper trims to be able to have that kind of access. So it's nice that it's there across the board. Um, you know, I really like this small crossover. I think it's a really good size. I think it's laid out really well. I think it's really attractive. And as much as it doesn't get as much attention as the Honda CRV and the uh, Toyota RAV4, it's definitely deserving of a look at the very least. Uh, the new RAV4 also made its debut recently, and I really, really really like that vehicle with exception to one thing and that's a problem i have with all toyotas is that it doesn't have android auto capability um but nevertheless this hyundai i think it really deserves a look so if you're in the market for a new suv or crossover or whatever you want to call it at this size uh and you've got twenty-five thousand dollars burning a hole in your pocket uh give the tucson a look uh what is also good news is that they announced that current 2018 models that are still on the lot are going to be having like a $2,500 minimum deduction from their sales price. So if you're looking for a sweet deal on what is currently still a very good SUV, uh, get out there to your local Hyundai dealer. It sounds like the Tucsons are going, so get it while it's still hot. So maybe... The more exciting news story to get announced this week is that McLaren has pulled the wraps off the Speedtail project. Uh, the McLaren Speedtail is their new halo car. It's their new top-tier sports car. Uh, this car is one that is built for aerodynamics and speed first, and it kind of pays homage to the McLaren F1 in a wide variety of ways. Um, if you aren't a McLaren aficionado, the McLaren F1 was a car that they built to compete in the GT1 one category back in the mid-late 90s. Uh, this car actually ended up doing very well at Le Mans. Uh, it's got a storied history with a BMW built V12 uh, that was just wonderfully powerful. It's one of the last uh, true like physical analog high performance sports cars that are out there and uh, this car is uh the speed tail is kind of paying homage to it in the sleek aerodynamic design the center mounted driver's seat uh a few visual touches that kind of bring you back there. Um, but really, it's learning a lot from what McLaren has done recently with the P1 uh, hypercar from just a few short years ago and the new 720S sports car uh, that 
currently dominates their lineup in terms of what is the fastest thing on sale. Uh, the Speedtail is going to be going on sale with only 106 units uh, for two and a quarter million dollars here in the very short future. Uh, pretty safe bet that all of them are going to be sold almost instantly. Um, this car is going to be capable of like 250 estimated mile an hour top speed. It's going to be able to go from zero to 186 miles an hour in less than 13 seconds. Uh, it's got a just over a thousand horsepower it weighs just over three thousand pounds this thing is a marvel of modern engineering uh in the same way that a lot of these new hypercars are and it's just a beautiful thing so if you get a chance to look up the speed tail online definitely give it a look i love this blue color that they chose for the car i love the uh, turbo fan wheels that it has on the front axle uh this thing is just a magnificent piece of engineering and uh yeah, it's exciting to know that there are still a few automakers who can really push the envelope with what is new, cool, and awesome when it comes to technology. And, uh, you know, they're one of the few brands right now that are trying to give chase to Koenigsegg uh, for the top speed claim. Uh, Koenigsegg right now is saying that the Ajera uh, is going to be able to do 270 miles an hour in a straight line. I don't know how that is physically possible at any point. Um, the Bugatti Chiron is supposed to be in that same neighborhood, so we'll see who proves to be the fastest car going forward. Uh, safe bet the McLaren is going to give chase pretty well, uh, but uh, I don't doubt Koenigsegg for what they're saying. That car is going to be capable of so we'll see but definitely definitely give this car a look it is a beautiful piece of engineering so last bit of news uh some news came out today from general motors that they are pushing the trump administration to expand ev regulations here in the united states and match some of the requirements that they're uh, currently trying to meet in the state of california um, if you're not aware, uh, the California Air Resources Board, otherwise known as CARB, uh, they set their own uh, vehicle standards here in the United States, and other states have matched uh, or set their automotive standards to the same as California. So here in this country, we kind of have two different sets of requirements that cars are expected to meet between CARB and the EPA and a few other things. And uh, GM doesn't want to have dual standards anymore. Uh, the Trump administration is talking about pulling out of these fuel economy regulations that the EPA set under the Obama administration. Uh, they want to set those restrictions at the 2020 level and not go past it until after 2026. Uh, the Koch brothers are looking to try to find ways to get rid of the EV tax incentives altogether and continue to push people to use petroleum products uh, to power their vehicles. Well, GM doesn't really want any of that. They have a lot of concerns where uh, if they have to meet these car standards where i believe it's 15 point something percent of their vehicles sold in california need to be evs um, that they're not able to find that competitive win in the rest of the country they don't have to do that I think it's kind of interesting that they're asking the Trump administration to make these kinds of rules when they already know more than likely that they will not do it. When at the same time, as a company, they can choose to just say, we want to sell, make 15% of our sales of the entire United States to be EV vehicles. There's no federal mandate that makes them do that. They can do that whenever they want. Uh, it's really frustrating as somebody who's an automobile fan, who's active in politics, who cares about the environment, all that kind of stuff. Uh, these corporations have the power to make this kind of change, to force this kind of change, and they're not doing it. 
And so one of the points that was brought up on Jalopnik today where they reviewed some of this stuff is that they think GM is afraid of competition, uh, especially from Europe and Asia, where governments are demanding that their car companies uh, go far beyond the 15% regulation of what needs to be EV. Um, some countries are completely outlawing uh, the sale of petroleum-powered vehicles in the very near future, and that means that every car sold in that country will need to be an EV or a hybrid to some extent. So GM, you know, they they wield a lot of power here. Uh, they, they still control a lot of the market, especially here in the United States and Canada and Mexico. Uh, they have the ability to make the change necessary. Just do it. Like, who's stopping you? You know, the Volt is a great platform. The Bolt is a great car. Start throwing these powertrains in other vehicles. Nobody's stopping you here. The market will adapt. Tesla is going to eat your lunch if you don't act now. Uh, Volkswagen is already dragging that knife across their throat as a threat. Just do it. It's simple. Just make the change and it can be done. Don't ask the Trump administration for help because they're not going to give it to you. Uh, but, you know... Maybe they will. Who knows? GM could get what they want. So <sighs> EVs, they're a thing. It's going to continue to be a thing. It's only going to get worse, in air quotes, from here. Uh, there's going to be a lot of competition, and that's the only way that things are going to get driven forward. So hopefully GM gets on the ball here very soon. So I'm going to sound like I keep repeating myself today, but uh, nevertheless, uh, we had another story in Jalapnik that I thought was very interesting uh, in light of some news. Uh, Aston Martin announced that they are selling the tooling for the old VH platform cars uh, to the tune of about $25 million to a non-disclosed buyer. Uh, that platform uh, survived for the better part of what feels like almost two decades uh, under the Vantage and the Vanquish and many other models. And uh, it's going to be redone by somebody in some form in the very near future. So keep your eye out for an Aston Martin derived vehicle in the near future. But this is something that started to pop up now uh, that these platforms engines transmissions so on and so forth are having second and third lives uh, with other automobile manufacturers uh, all across the world uh, there's a new company that just emerged in Vietnam that's doing the same thing with some older BMW uh, bits and bobs Saab was resurrected uh, for the most part in China with a similar process uh, not too long ago. Uh, so the question became, what chassis, platform, engine, whatever would you like to see come back under modern tooling? Uh, of course, the headline image was of the Mazda RX-8, a car that recently departed, kind of, sort of. Uh, I guess it's been almost a decade now that it's been gone, but it was a chassis that was very up-to-date, very capable, uh, very well-designed. I think, in my opinion, it was a chassis that was in search of a better engine. Uh, I'm not a big fan of rotary power, but... That's just me. So that chassis with a new 2.5 liter turbo four from Mazda would just be sublime. Uh, but when it comes down to an actual answer from me, I think the safe bet has got to be the GM Zeta platform. Uh, it was a chassis that really ended its life a little too early. And while it did get 
outshined by the Alpha platform that has kind of succeeded it, and in a way, the new Omega platform is even better. Uh, the Zeta platform was just a little too heavy. I was a little too undercooked in some situations, even though it was in development for such an incredibly long time. Uh, cars that were on the Zeta platform included the Holden Commodore, uh, the uh, Pontiac G8, uh, the later Chevy SS, uh, as well as the Camaro here in the U.S. Um, outside of the United States, there were a lot of other different variations of the platform that included some small pickup trucks and crossovers, um, but it was a chassis that really just deserves more work, and I think uh, if I was GM, I would either look to bring it back in some way, shape, or form and turn it into something else. I think you could potentially make some arguments that uh, a lot of the lessons learned from Zeta were applied to Alpha and Omega. Uh, but uh, yeah, that one, like in the right hands of like an Italian coach builder, something like that, make a very luxurious GT car uh, with a big American V8 uh, with some Italian bodywork. Man, that would just be a cool, cool car. Uh, do you have anything in mind that you would like to see make a comeback? Uh, hit me up on Anchor here at anchor.fm slash YSSMAN. You can leave a voicemail. We can post in the show. Uh, otherwise, I can always reiterate some comments if I get any. So, uh, yeah, cool. We'll move on to the car that's on my mind. So last up, a car that's been on my mind. It is the Kia K900, also known as the Kia K9 in its home market in South Korea. It's a large luxury sedan that's been on sale since about 2012 as a 2013 model and recently got a redesign here in the United States uh, for the 2019 model year. Now, if you didn't know, uh, Kia has kind of had some plans to be a weird BMW competitor of sorts. Uh, they've had these intentions for a while. Uh, that's why you see models like the Kia Stinger GT out there trying to chase down the BMW 3 Series. And we've kind of had the Kia K900 as a weird 5 Series and 7 Series competitor uh, here in the U.S. for just a short amount of time. Now, they have sold almost none of these vehicles uh, in the past several years that it's been on sale. Uh, first year here in the U.S. Uh, was 2014. They sold 1,300 of them. Uh, the biggest selling year was 2015, where they sold 2,500 models. Uh, but for 2017 and 2018, that number has been less than 500. I think it was low as like 300 and some odd models last year. Uh, uh, so Kia is really trying to kind of crank up the pressure uh, on this car again. And what they did is they took the platform that exists under the Genesis G80 and G90. It's a large luxury uh, platform. They've tuned it to be a little bit softer. Uh, they've given the car some more Germanic uh, style on the uh, exterior and interior. And overall, you know, it's a car that really deserves a lot of attention. Maybe not necessarily as a brand new car. Um, I think, you know, if you're an someone who's got the money who wants to not buy a car too often that's going to be relatively reliable in the long run i don't think you could do worse than the kia k900 really to speak of uh but that being said it's not going to have the prestige and the resale value that some other vehicles may in this segment that being said you as a buyer of used cars can definitely go out and pick up Kia K900s for what feels like pennies on the dollar. Uh, they don't sell quick, so incentives are always there on these cars. Uh, what few they do bring into the U.S. Uh, do generally get marked down a little bit. Um, but I think that's going to be a situation where, you know, is a $70,000, car you know, from BMW going to be worth it? Maybe not. Is a fifty dollars to $60,000 Kia going to be worth it? 
I don't know, because people aren't exactly comfortable paying that much for a Kia, necessarily. Um, but if you wanted to spend somewhere in the middle, you could always go to the uh, Genesis brand. And, you know, it all depends on where you're placing value on your dollar. But I think these are really interesting, cool cars. I mean, they've got great platforms. They've got excellent powertrains. Uh, the luxury aspect of these cars is top-notch. Um, you know, maybe it's not quite the same thing to compare it against a BMW or a Mercedes-Benz like they want to, but it is something to definitely compare against something like an Acura RLX or a uh, Lexus ES350 or something along those lines. And I think, you know, in many of those instances, the Kia might be a better buy. Um, but, you know, I still would have to admit, I think I'd be hard-pressed to choose uh, the Kia Aside from the Genesis models, those just seem like they're a little more well-cooked currently, even though the Kia is very well done. Alright guys, that just about wraps up this episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. As, as always, I'm your host, Brad Eslake, and you can follow me on Twitter at YSSMAN. Uh, you can follow back on episodes of this podcast at anchor.fm slash YSSMAN, and they're out on a wide variety of podcasting platforms all over the internet, including uh, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, so on and so forth. So if you like what you're listening to, uh, give it a subscribe, give it a rating if they're taking it, share it with friends and family if they're interested in automobiles. I appreciate it. Uh, this is your reminder here to go and vote. Uh, voting day is November 6, 2018. Uh, it takes just a few minutes to do in many polling places across this country. I implore you to go and vote. Uh, things are terrible for a lot of people in this country. Things are going to get worse for a lot of people in this country if we don't do something. So we need to work together. Vote. Vote for good leaders who do the right thing, who represent your interests, and will turn the tide uh, with the nastiness and horrible things that are going on right now. Uh, so remember, November 6th, it's the first Tuesday of November. Go vote. It's important that you do that. Um, if you are looking for a ride to the polls, remember that Lyft and Uber are offering discounted or free rides uh, to the polls, so you have no excuse not to do it. If your employer tells you that you can't vote uh, because it's going to make you late for work, you need to tell them to sit on it and uh, go do that uh, because you are protected. Your right to vote is protected, so you need to make sure you do it. Anyway, that is my voting rant. Uh, car stuff. Hey, guys, snow is coming, so if you haven't uh, put your snow tires on your cars, make sure you do so. Also, make sure you are rotating your tires appropriately. You don't want to have these slippery tires on the back of your car because that's what will spin first. As much as you think having the grip of your tires on the front of your car if you have a front-wheel drive vehicle is the better thing, it is, in fact, the rear tires that need to have the most amount of grip uh, because the back end will come sliding around on you uh, like a weird sled of sorts. I don't know why I picked sled. I, whatever. Anyway, guys, I hope you have a fantastic weekend. I hope you get to enjoy this beautiful fall weather that's floating all around us. Uh, and so until next time, guys, we'll see you then.